Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Walter, and in today's episode, I am happy to welcome Paul van der Gift as my guest. Paul is business developer Spain, Portugal, and Latin America at Blucon International, a company that developed a compact system for decentralized municipal wastewater treatment. In this episode, Paul will explain how different the wastewater challenge is depending on where you live and how the smaller a community is, the worse it gets. He'll also tell us how blueconizing water addresses this gap and what that made-up verb actually means. He'll take us through the physical-only steps his company packs into shipping containers and he'll give us a 360 perspective on the many implementation possibilities such a compact and decentralized solution offers. This and much more is on our agenda for today, right after our sponsor's intro. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Paul, and welcome to the show. I'm glad you accepted the invitation. Let's start with a postcard. Just tell us where you're sitting right now. Hi, Antoine. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm sitting in the capital of the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, in my own home, as many people. So actually, when I was looking at your career path, it sounded like there was kind of a line between the Netherlands and Chile. And you had an amazing journey on that, or you appear to have a nice journey on that. So can you maybe just explain us what was your path? Yes, of course. Well, I studied uh, international business and management because I always had the horizon to be involved in export and import. And later on, I developed a specific interest for the Latin American continent. I then met my wife, who was from Chile, and then obviously I started to develop a close relation to Chile and uh, see what Chile is producing, what they have to offer, and see about the connection between those two countries. And I really wanted to get involved in that, so I'm happy I made it there. So you mentioned in our preparation call that by the end of your journey in Chile, you started working quite closer to Bluecom, which is your actual company, and that's how you came back to the Netherlands, right? Yes, exactly. I was working for the Dutch embassy in, in Chile, in Santiago de Chile, the capital. And during my last months, because we decided to go back to the Netherlands because of the fact that we were expecting our second child. And I met the Dutch company Bluecon in December last year, while they were on a trip just to see if what the market potential for their product was in Chile. And I was accompanying them from the embassy because I was working for the economic department. So I got in touch and I actually traveled together with the owner and founder of the company for four days. And lucky that once I returned to the Netherlands, I joined the Bluecon team. So actually, let's assume that we would be meeting in Amsterdam in the hall of the Rembrandt Tower and had a look on Wikipedia. And apparently the elevator of that tower take about 40 seconds to reach the top of the tower. So you would have 40 seconds to make me the elevator pitch of Bluecon. So what would it be? Oh, wow. So this is the famous elevator pitch. No, that's right. <laughs> Bluecom basically developed uh, the world's most compact decentralized wastewater treatment system. And what it does, it converts domestic wastewater into reusable water. 
So it creates a huge opportunity for decentralized wastewater treatment and to apply clean water from a waste source. So that enables a lot of economic activities for the communities and for the smaller towns where such equipment is installed. Wonderful. That was ready to the point. You made it within the time. And I think we now have a better glimpse into what Bluecon is doing. So just before going to the deep dive and going to this decentralized wastewater treatment aspect, I'd like to ask you, what's the special source of your company? Well, basically, so the company is about seven years old. And what it did is, and it was very difficult to do, but it improved an existing technology and made it suitable for the domestic wastewater treatment. So I guess the key or the secret of the company is like developing further, take it to a next level, an existing technology that now can be applied for a variety of uses. It's very specific. It's it's almost a niche market. So there's a lot of expertise in what they're doing, a lot of know-how. And yes, I guess it's quite a revolutionary system. So I think we're going to come now to this revolution because when I was scrolling your website, I just found that strange verb. And you know, I'm my English is not perfect by far not. I think that's my French side. But I'm pretty sure that the word blueconizing doesn't exist in the English language. So I will need you to explain me a bit what this stands for. Yes, well, of course, it would be nice if blueconizing as a verb, you know, it would be uh, included in the <laughs> in the next the dictionary. But it's, of course, have everything to do with the company name Bluecon, which comes from Blue Container. The Blue Container is basically our product. We build wastewater treatment plants inside a container, which makes it very movable and very small in size, so very compact, right? And blueconizing is the process that we use in order to clean in a matter of minutes the domestic wastewater into reusable water. And I say reusable water because it could be irrigation water, it could even be drinking water, it could be water, just clean water to discharge, let's say. So we are very flexible in the output and the different qualities that it requires as well. So the full plant is packaged in one container or in multiple containers. How can I visualize that? Yeah, so it depends a little bit on the size and the capacity. What Bluecon did is try to resolve the, well, actually the lack of wastewater that's been treated in the regions. So that means the smaller the town or the community, the less successful traditional wastewater plants are. And this is actually the gap in the market where Bluecon thought, okay, this is something that we really need to resolve. And we need to start thinking outside the box and trying to include different types of technologies in that treatment. And so it's containerized. It could be a 10, 20 or 40 feet container. And it depends a little bit on the amount of people that live and their average water use. Blocom basically focuses on from a few people to 20,000 inhabitants. That's basically the market. So you mentioned the multi-steps of the technology. So what exactly are the technologies which you package inside your containers? Yes, so the technology is actually a technology of flocculation, coagulation, and flotation, which means, and it's a technology that already exists for like 100 years, right? Basically, it means that by applying an electrostatic electricity in the form of a reactor that destabilizes the negative and the, and the positive layers on a molecular level, what happens is that the dirt or the sludge gets separated from the clean water. And in the next phase, all those potential small sludge parts, they start to stick together and they start to float, after which it can more easily be separated. 
So this is a technology that also exists in industrial wastewater treatments. However, the percentage of you know, cleaning up the water by passing through our reactor is so high that it um, only needs to be disinfected after and it can be reused. So that means that we get a, an extremely good result from passing the dirty water through our reactor where this physical chemical process takes place. So it separates the dirt from the water. It starts to stick together, to coagulate together by applying a, a, like a glue. And we manage to transport this water through our system without it being separated again. So the dirty stuff that sticks together remains that way and then can easily be removed in a flotation chamber. So basically, you have a pretty short treatment train. So if I understood right what you just explained us, you start with a screen, then you have this uh, coagulation flotation, and then you filter it. And if needed, then you might even disinfect it, right? Yes, exactly. So what happens is that the wastewater gets through a first screen, a pre-screen. That's just for the larger particles, not to you know disturb the, the system. And then exactly. So after this first step, which consists of three, the dirt part is removed by flotation and it gives such good results that no complicated filters are needed afterwards. It goes straight to the last step of the process, which is the, the disinfection. And that is, of course, has everything to do with the results we get from our reactor. It removes the dirt to such a high percentage that no you know, difficult filters are needed, which tells us a lot about the low level of maintenance that's needed and the low level of cost that's needed as well. So you mentioned it quite shortly, but I'd like to understand how you fit into the market because, you know, there's this advanced countries where most of the water is hopefully treated today. And then as much as you go to the middle income and to the low income countries, we see that the rate of wastewater treatment goes pretty much down. I think the numbers are 70% treatment for the developed countries, then 38% and 28% for the middle-income countries, and the low-income countries have 8% of their wastewater, which is treated. So I'm just wondering, as BlueCon, with your pretty simple treatment train, which is in shipping containers, what is the market you are aiming to enter? What is your target? That's an interesting question, Antoine, but you would be surprised as well in Europe, in countries as Italy and Spain, that are being fined by the European Union because they don't apply the treatment that's necessary. Okay. A lot of countries are struggling with applying the right technology to apply an effective treatment on a small scale, let's say. So Spain is definitely an interesting market for us, as is Italy, Eastern Europe as well. So those are you know, developed countries that are also trying to find solutions for small-scale treatment. So I'm from the Netherlands, and in the Netherlands, a centralized, large centralized treatment system is actually uh, possible because of the you know, geographical characteristics of the country. It's flat. Um, many towns are very close towards each other. They are actually stick right next to each other. So what happens in the Netherlands is that we use these large scales, traditional biological treatment system by combining the wastewater or two, three or up to five smaller towns. But that's, of course, not a reality if you go to, you know, more mountain areas already in the south of France, that's a problem. In Spain, Portugal, that's a problem. So you can't really connect the wastewater of different towns together because of the distance and because of the lack of, you know, possibilities to do so. So in those countries, 
which is still Europe I'm talking about, there's a lot of need for decentralized system that actually are as effective as the traditional large-scale biological ones. And this is where we say that actually the whole world is our market, right? We went a different road and we looked at the biological alternatives, but actually in the end, and you see it now more days as well, we chose a physical chemical a process because on a smaller scale, that's actually much more effective than a traditional biological ones. So does it mean that in those areas where you just uh, mentioned, so Italy, Spain, south of France and Eastern Europe, they just have nothing in some areas and uh, then you are improving it because you go from nothing to a very effective treatment or do they all already have something at small scale which is not suited and you can correct that with your process? Yeah, it's also an interesting and a good question. Actually, we see both. So there's a lot of need for a treatment on places where there is no treatment yet in Europe that's actually being you know, pushed by the EU saying like, hey, guys, uh, this is not the percentage of treatment you are applying. So local governments are looking for technologies, but definitely also replacing some of the older small scale traditional ones that are not able to clean the water sufficient or after a couple of years of operation, basically they break down. And we have to say here that those systems itself, they are quite good developed systems and they are backed up by a lot of science, but it's extremely difficult to operate those systems. And the smaller the community gets, the more difficult it gets for the operator, you know, to work with an efficient system. So what Blucon does, it could replace such a system. It could install itself in a place where there's no treatment going on, but it could also help a traditional system alleviate. I don't know if that's a good English word, uh, by applying some sort of a pre-treatment so that the performance of existing plants get better. So we, we could work with traditional systems or replace them. Uh, we are very flexible in that. Okay. Actually, the places you just mentioned, be it Italy or Spain, Portugal, south of France, are also the places where usually you have a kind of water scarcity or always more water scarcity. Does that mean that with your system, you can also take advantage of that and leverage that treated wastewater to reuse it for some kind of new purposes? Yes, exactly. And this is the um, one of the biggest uh, advantages of the Bluecon system. On the one side, it simplifies the current process. So it means that it is less operational costs, but it's also easier to operate, which enables it you know, to be installed in smaller communities and towns. But the second biggest advantage of the system is that it actually delivers water of higher quality. And we can meet the quality that is required by the EU regulation or in Asia or in South America by the national regulations. So whatever the reuse of the water is, we can reach that level. And this, of course, makes it very interesting, like you said, in dry areas. So there's a waste source there that's been maybe treated or not, and then wasted into the rivers or sea. And of course, if, you, if you're in a dry area with a deficit, then reusing that water really creates extra value. And that is not only going on in the south of Europe, but also, of course, that's where Latin America comes into play. In Chile, where we talked about that I have a strong link with, everything on the north side of the capital is going into a process of desertification. You know, the desert is becoming bigger every time. And of course, if you can add a vol volume of water to that, it creates really a lot of opportunities. 
So in short, we simplify the process and we deliver water of a much better quality that is really suitable for its reuse, whatever the reuse is. So I'd like to take the process from the start and from the front. It's a recurring question that I have with my guests on this microphone is, what is the awareness of the people, you know? And I hear many different takes at that. And I was wondering, given your target of these smaller sized communities, do they come actively to you and say, we have a problem, could you have a look and maybe can we solve that together? Or do you target those guys and say, hey, you are, I don't know, a 2,000, 3,000 population community somewhere in South Europe or in Latin America. I think you're not treating the water to the level you should. Maybe we can sort that out. So is it them being proactive or is it you having to push for it? Well, that's actually going both ways. So we are a Dutch company and we see that governments or companies from countries abroad, they know uh, that the Dutch water sector is one that, that it involves a lot of know-how, a lot of new technology, and that there's a yeah, growing number of startups that are providing solutions for a series of challenges in the water sector. You know, everything from preventing natural disasters or flooding to uh, the supply of, of sweet, usable water. So we could see that in general, governments know and companies abroad know uh, what the added value of, of the Dutch sector is. But on the other hand, not a lot of local governments know that water can actually be treated at low costs up to a quality where it can be reused. So that thing is, is pretty new. Even if traditional system is operating quite well, it still only treats the water for it to be discharged in the river and not make everybody sick, let's say. But this technology, of course, is adds something to that. It cleans the water in a way it can be reused. And this is quite of a new concept. So this is where we need to go out and spread the message and you know, do a lot of presentations, but also demonstrations in the countries where we see a lot of potential, which is basically the whole world, right? So we travel a lot and we bring our demo with us, demo container, so 40 feet, demo container that we have and we go out there and we show them because of course with all new technology and that that also counts for us people need to see it need to see how it works they need to validate the water and the operator needs to see like okay how is this how do i run this machine so we create a lot of interest by going on a roadshow so to speak the roadshow is one way but i guess you're not bringing the container to every possible plant you might be treating in the future so on one end, it could start with the container, uh, but on the other end, maybe sometimes you have to start with a water sample where they just give you a sample and you say, okay, we have to dimension our process. Or is it something which you say is fully standard and your container is off the shelf in the size of 10 foot, 20 foot and 40 foot, and then you're good to go? Or is there kind of fine tuning you need to do uh, every time? That's a good question also. So a large part of is, is standardized and that has to do with the capacity. So we know how to build a container which you know, treats five cubic meter of water per hour and one of 25 an hour. So that's the first question, what kind of capacity is required? But then the second one is actually meeting the necessities of the of the client. So let's take, you know, a 10,000 inhabitant town. What do they want to do with the water, which determines the configuration of the container? So a part of it is standard, which has to do with the capacity, and a part of it is basically custom-made according to the reuse and, of course, complying with the national rules and regulations on that. And it's also a very fair thing to say that we can't take the container and travel all over the world. But what we're doing is basically try to organize a demonstration in a country with a lot of interest 
and then invite a lot of people, so local authorities, national authorities, but also companies, to that place of demonstration where we are like maybe a week or two weeks, where everybody can see how this is working. So sometimes you need one successful demonstration, you know, for the snowball effect, so to speak. What we've also tried, which is interesting, is we said, well, you know, it's much cheaper <laughs> if we just have you come over to the Netherlands to our testing site, then we'll show you how it works. So we have this, this great testing facility, which is at a traditional large size treatment plant where we simply installed our container and we use the wastewater source, you know, to do all sorts of testing and of course a demonstration to customers. But the answer that we are receiving from, from people abroad is saying, yeah, okay, but this is Dutch wastewater and in India, you know, our wastewater is different. So we still see it as an added value to, if the potential is right, to invest as a company in saying like, okay, let's send over a team, let's send over the ship over the container and let's do a small tour you know, in the country of India, it could be two or three locations. And then we see it generates the interest that we are hoping for. So you need the input of the water capacity that you need to treat. You need to have the output to know to which level you need to treat. And you need the guys to be convinced that your treatment process can solve that. What would be interesting here would be if you could just guide us through your path on maybe your last successful project so that we understand those steps. Yeah, so basically, we generate a lot of, of interest by, you know, having created this new technology or actually having improved an existing technology and made it suitable for the treatment of wastewater. So we are out there, you know, on, on fairs and social media. So that's, of course, the first step. And then when something or somebody is really interested and we work towards a demonstration, right? And after demonstration, we actually see that the process uh, going from a demonstration towards a sales is actually quite short. After demonstration, that's the last step for people to say like, okay, convince me that this is working. And if it does work, and if I can see it works, and if the water quality is validated by my local authorities, we actually see that purchases come within within a few weeks already. So that, of course, is for us great because if we do a demonstration in like Serbia, where we were and we work towards a purchase of, of five blue cone treatment plants, then of course, having installed those five working blue cone treatment plants also generates a lot of interest of you know, towns and communities that are close to one. So we need to invest a lot of showing who we are, what we have and what we can offer. And then we have to do the demonstration, which is always a very nice thing for us to do to show people like, hey, this is, you know, this is working and it's working this way. And we have your authority here who is actually going to take some samples and validate the water quality. And then afterwards, it's actually going into quite a quick process. When you say quite quick, how fast is it from the first inquiry to the moment it starts treating water? So after a demonstration for a purchase to happen, it's a matter of weeks. A demonstration is the last step of convincing people. And in order, well, it takes us a couple of weeks to, to build one. And it depends a little bit on the configuration, but we are talking about four to six weeks, maybe. Well, that's fast. I mean, if you compare it to the traditional concrete tanks. Very and quick. Pilot, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we are very quick. And that's not the only thing. So if it's once it's built, it's, you know, it has the right configuration for the, for the customer. We go over and we do the installments ourselves. And we take that moment also to train the operator and to train the company that's going to do the maintenance. So we could do that, but it's always better if that's been locally done. Installing is like maximum two days. So can you imagine like after building and we ship it out, it arrives and 48 hours later, it's up and running. 
So building is much faster, but also the installation. If you're talking about a traditional system, after everything is being built, which leaves a huge footprint, right? In comparison to our system, it also takes at least, I would say, two months, you know, to get this whole process of bacteria activated sludge going on. And then if you come back after three months, you can actually see how it's working. Yeah, with us, that's 48 hours. And the quality of the water is stable 24-7. So it doesn't matter at what time you come over and take your sample, it will always be the exact same result. So you are assembling in the Netherlands all the containers? Yes, so we are assembling in uh, in the Netherlands indeed. So we do have a strategy, especially for markets outside Europe, where we want to build and produce on the license, the treatment plants locally. So if the demand is right, uh, of course, for a few, that's not probably economically a very um, a good idea. But if the demand is right, then the distributor that also helps us with the sales and the technical after-sales service could also potentially be building those uh, plants uh, locally. And it also means that all the material we use is actually available in all parts of the world. So the secret is more in, you know, how to operate it. The operative parameters, that's where the secret is, the know-how and not so much the material used. Because of course, the advantage of having such good results of treatment is that we don't need all those sophisticated, let's say, filters and systems, you know, to clean the water and to get the particles out or to kill the bacteria. So it's actually a pretty straightforward system. And the secret is in the know-how. And basically, well, our desire is to, to build locally, definitely. So you mentioned that the secret is in the operation. You also mentioned that you have these two days where you commission the plant and you also train the operators, but you also can offer this operation by yourself. So in that case, do you do, you do it remotely or do you have your distributor on site helping with the operations? So what are the different cases of operations? No, well, actually, the, so operating the machine um, has to be done locally and it's designed to be done locally. So as a starting point, we thought, okay, so... There's not a lot of treatment going on in the region. So one of the reasons is that it's quite difficult to operate a traditional system. So as a starting point, we invented a system that is easy to operate. I would say the operator has one of the easiest tasks in the world, right? It's basically keeping clean the area and looking after the you know, pre-screen and sludge handling, which is, of course, um, an, an, an important thing to do. So we see in practice that the operator comes from the community or the town itself. And then next to that, there is the maintenance. And the maintenance is also pretty straightforward. So we could train the operator from the community to also perform periodical maintenance that needs to be done, or our distributor could do that for them. The machine operates itself. We, have, we can follow it live if needed with an internet connection about what's happening. In practice, that's not really necessary. We see that operators are more than able to operate the system, you know, to fill the ingredients that are needed for the process in time. And the worst thing that could happen, like by lack of water or by lack of applying a coagulant, is that the machine stops until the tank is full again. So it's pretty um, self-automated. We can see some parameters from, from a distance and we can give some advice if that's needed. In practice, we see that's actually not needed. So the operator is really able to, to operate itself. And the local distributor is able to perform the maintenance. You mentioned on your website that you also operate in the business sense of the word, the model you can operate under this model that's with a multi-year contract, you would 
sponsor, if I may say so, the installation of the container, and then I guess turn it into a service, I mean, a treatment service. So how does that work? And what's the percentage of your installed base, which is working under this contract? Yes, definitely. So what we see is that um, most of the interested parties are actually interested in purchasing the, the technology and then, you know, apply the treatment and reuse the water in their community. But another option is that the interested party is not actually purchasing the plant itself, but is paying for the service of the treatment. So we can do a calculation and that depends on, of course, it's different per, per country and per capacity, where, for example, a small municipality pays per cubic meter of treated water. So they don't pay for the water, they pay for the treatment per cubic meter and don't have to pay for the machine itself. So that remains, you know, we remain as BlueCon, the owner of the, of the equipment and our local distributor has the role of maintenance or could potentially operate it as well. So we do offer that way of obtaining the technology as well. Surprisingly, what we see is that most are interested in fact of uh, on purchasing it and then and then operating it themselves. So that works only with the, the long term, right? You don't offer like a rental option where I have a temporary problem somewhere and you would bring your container and solve it for a couple of months and then leave again. Ah, that, that's interesting. It's also a possibility, Antoine, and it's interesting you say so. So if we send over a treatment plant from the Netherlands with a direct contract with a municipality, then of course that should be for a couple of years at least so that we know that we have our return on investment, right? So then we don't have a situation that after one year to say, oh, well, okay, so it worked very well, but we don't want to treat the water anymore. So, so here's where we are. We try to prevent that. So if it's a direct type of contact, then we definitely are looking for a longer term contract where municipalities say well, at least seven or 10 years, I'm going to treat, you know, X volume of water, and then we can work out the details. However, it could also be that our local distributor purchases one and rents it out for shorter periods. So we are actually investigating that right now in Chile, where a Bluecon wastewater treatment plant is actually going to help out existing plants with a lot of problems. For example, an existing traditional biological plant that is built 10 or 15 years ago, and it was then calculated on 1,500 inhabitants. And what you see in summertime, for example, that um, a coastal place in Chile attracts a thousand or even 1,500 more tourists to that town. So you have a system that's calculated on 1,500, but during a couple of weeks in the year and it actually have the double amount of people in, in that town you know the hotels are full etc that is of course before and after the, the covid crisis let's say so how do you uh, work with that then of course it, the system completely collapses so what our distributor wants to do is actually place a blue con for like six weeks to help out uh, with the treatment so that the traditional one that's already installed there uh, doesn't get you know into trouble so to speak so i was also surprised in a positive way <laughs> don't get me wrong by one of the claims of your website where you say that your system is energy neutral how do i have to understand that does it mean that you are self-producing energy within the system which means it's fully autonomous or is it a balance between the inputs and the outputs? 
So we'll see that uh, one of the advantages, one of the many advantages of the system is, you know, being easy to operate, but it has a low operational cost. And of course, the use of electricity is one of the components of cost. So we win it there if we compare ourselves to existing plants. But we also offer the possibility to install solar panels on top of the machine or, or right next to it or even work with existing solar panels, what we see a lot in the north of Chile, for example, where this all becomes completely energy neutral. So what we do is we actually calculate a bigger size uh, treatment plant because it will only work during the days, of course, and then it's completely energy neutral and operating during the hours of the day. We could provide that, but we also see, just like I just mentioned, in Chile, where we're actually working with some solar panels that were already installed for a different type of of industrial use, and we are using those, you know, to come to this um, energy neutral level. So there's a lot of possibilities here to even drop the costs more, make it even more circular in its use, and of course, recycling water and make it able to be reused is already closing the circle in, in, in that sense. So you mentioned several times the, the low cost aspect of your treatments, so that we get an idea what would be the cost per treated cubic meter. Yeah, so the, the cost of, of, of uh, the treatment really depends on local electricity costs, but also the local cost of an operator and the size of the capacity needed, right? So we have to be careful there dropping a number because I don't know the electricity costs of each country out of my head. So if we take Dutch numbers, we are 33% cheaper in operational cost per cubic meter, taking the Dutch price. Compared to the Dutch benchmark or compared to a specific exactly. type of plant? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So the Dutch, um, well, the, the the other plants are more or less using the same technology. So it's easy there to do the benchmark. And of course, if you apply a decentralized treatment system, then you do not have the enormous infrastructural investment costs of having a centralized system, which means that you need to transport the water during large distances, right? So... There's treatment costs, but there's also in traditional systems, the cost of getting the water to the centralized treating system, which takes a huge amount of energy. And of course, we don't have that. So it depends per country, but we are actually everywhere we go, pretty competitive. So we've been discussing quite extensively all the advantages of your system, and I really see lots of advantages. And it sounds very nicely suited to this decentralized wastewater treatment. But... I guess you cannot be the solution to everybody and to everyone everywhere. So what are the cases where you would say Glucon is not the right fit? Well, as I mentioned, in Holland, we have quite a good or actually a very good treatment process going on using large-scale uh, biological systems. And they work very well and we don't aim to replace them. And on that size, Glucon doesn't have a, a chance you know, of performing better. So what Blucon did is actually looking at where is the actual problem? And the problem is in regional wastewater treatment. So that's a niche, so to speak, uh, where we dived into, where we have in fact developed a way better alternative, right? That is actually working. So on a small scale, I don't think there is a better alternative than physical chemical treatment processes, right? The traditional ones are more expensive, but also leave a, a huge, bigger a footprint, and there are always in the darkest corner outside, uh, let's say, um, the towns, because nobody wants to be near a water treatment system, right? So we lose it once we start comparing ourselves to the, um, 
treatment systems of, of larger towns. So we are very competitive from, from zero to 20,000 inhabitants, and we start to lose our competitive advantage from a towns that, you know, or middle-sized cities that are bigger than that amount of inhabitants. So you mentioned that you're targeting a niche with this decentralized treatment, but actually, when you look at that niche, it's impressive how big it is. I mean, not even entering the Chinese hypothesis because the decentralized treatment in China is just multi-billion niche. But everywhere in the world, when you see that 80% of the wastewater still isn't treated, that makes a lot of potential. How big is Lucon today? How many people are you inside the company? Oh, so we are commercially active for, for a year and a half. So we are definitely a startup. We've done five years of investigation and development, right? So we have five people working full-time for Bluecon. However, if we grow in sales numbers, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to grow in amount of people working for us because our model is really to produce locally and to work with distributors that know the market and that know our product and that could successfully you know introduce this technology in the market so if we grow in sales five times i think we would still be with five people in glucon so you're going to license out your, your process exactly and even in the netherlands where we are now assembling the wastewater treatment plants we use a lot of providers that already pre-assemble you know some of the treatment models that are inside the plant different suppliers that have a specialty in, you know, one building the reactor, the other one building the oxidation module. Ozone is a module that we use for disinfection if needed, right, which comes from a different supplier. So we actually put together the machine and we know, we have the know-how of the operational parameters. But just like I said, if we're going to grow 10 times in sales, I don't think it will have a direct effect on the, on the team. So coming back to this niche aspect, which is this multi-billion niche and your business model of this licensing of what you do and this outsourcing and keeping the core inside what you do and then all the rest is going to be whether outsourced or, or subcontracted. If now you had a crystal ball and you see uh, two or five years down the line, where is Bluecon? Well, I would say in five years. So we are trying to take the whole world basically, right? So we put the barrier pretty high. We know we have we have an interesting technology and we want to stick to the further development of the technology and you know not being having the huge building a huge factory in, in the Netherlands, so to speak. So we want to focus on our core, just as you as you explained. In terms of well you we could speak in terms of sales, but I have the first desire to be operative in as many countries as we can, which means that we can offer the Bluecon alternative in as many countries as we can. It's of course up to the customer to say, okay, we have a system A, we have a system B, one has uh, initial cost of X, and the other one has operative cost. We just want to be available worldwide first. So we are working a lot on being available in the Chilean market, in the Spanish market, in Eastern Europe, which means that we are focusing a lot right now on finding the right distributors in the countries that embrace our technology, that know the market, and they can actually deliver also the after-sales technical service, right? If we have the right parties contracted, the right distributors found in each country, then is when we are ready to make huge sales. So we are working very much on our distribution network right now. And if we do that right, and we are operative, so to speak, in the majority, if I take Latin America as an example, in maybe the top four or top five countries with 
with the biggest potential, then those sales will generate almost by themselves, so to speak. In how many countries do you already have that existing distribution channel? And in how many do you intend it to have in two years, let's say? Yes, yeah, so I think we're almost having a network in uh, almost 10 countries right now. But the interesting point about your question is, so if you look at Chile, the country is actually longer than, the, you know, running over from the south. That was going to be my next question. How many distributors do you need to cover Chile? <laughs> <laughs> so then, the, of course, having one distributor per country that does the whole sales and have access to the whole market, it would be amazing. And what you see in practice is that many of those firms, they know the region and they have contacts in the region and they are performing well in their own region. And in a region in Chile is as big as the size of, of the Netherlands and Belgium together, right? And that's the smallest region in, in Chile probably. So if we want to be operative everywhere, in effect, like Chile as an example, it actually means that we need probably four or five distributors that are respecting the territories. So they're not going to in each other's territory, but they are absolute specialists and they know exactly what's going on in the territory and they're also able to deliver the quality that we need so that's what we that's what where we are right now so we are active in probably eight countries with distributors but in those countries we might need extra distributors as well and then of course taking it to a next level into countries that we are not active in yet so for example in chile we have already two distributors who are commercially active for us We probably need two more. And once that's been done, my vision goes to the northern country, which is Peru, which is interesting because of their drought problem. And then above Peru, there's Ecuador and Colombia, which is also a huge economic potential. And Colombia, even while having a huge amount of sweet water, it's not distributed well. So there's also a lot of opportunities there. And in Colombia also probably looking at two or three different distributors, you know, minimum. Very interesting. Actually, my last question for this deep dive would be a seasonal question, which I have to ask those days every time. You know, it's merger and acquisition season, and there is a big consolidation working in our industry nowadays. So your path and your growth ambitions for the next years are clear to me, but is it all happening with you as an independent company? Or do you think that at some point you might be acquired? And is it part of the business model to have kind of an exit at some point where a big group just says, hey, what Bluecon is doing is pretty interesting. I should have that in my portfolio. Well, it's not a strategy uh, to be acquired. I also know that we are an interesting company for a lot of you know, larger firms. I know we are on the radar, but we're not necessarily aiming for that. What we're aiming for is a short time to market. So we are looking for you know, partnerships, just as I mentioned, with, with local companies that could deliver, sell, and deliver those our treatment plants locally. And if they can do it in the right way, there's a pretty short time to market there. At the same time, I know that we dived into a gap and that we've developed a pretty successful process and that we are being followed by larger firms. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we're distracted by it. It is not necessarily a goal, but it could be in the future. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I cannot insult the future. That's the, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paul, that was a very interesting deep dive for me. If it's fine with you, I propose you to switch to the rapid fire questions. Sure. It's time for the rapid fire questions. So 
The rapid fire questions, the principle is pretty simple. I try to keep the questions short and uh, if possible, uh, you, you will have to keep the answers short as well. But as I remind my guests all the time, if there's something really interesting, I'm not cutting the microphone, so don't feel restrained. <laughs> all so, right. My first question is the following. What is the most exciting project you've been working on and why? Well, the most exciting project is the one, one of the projects I'm working on right now, which is in Chile with a local avocado producer, where we are trying to calculate the exact added value of having 48,000 liters of water daily available and what that means for this avocado producer in terms of you know, extra generated value. So let me elaborate just very shortly on that. A very inefficient fruit uses a lot of water to grow. There's a huge demand worldwide and not having sufficient water is actually a factor that um, slows down the supply side, let's say. So we are working together with a partner in Chile trying to calculate if we have this waste stream of 48,000 liters a day and we turn it into reusable irrigation water, what does it exactly mean for this grower in terms of revenue? And that's, of course, interesting because we are now not offering a treatment plant with a certain price. We are actually offering a business model, you know, a closed business model where we can say, okay, there's an investment involved, but... You can generate so much from it and the return investment is in what well, looks like it's going to be in a year or a half. So that's, that's an exciting project I'm working on right now. So water is on the critical path for this avocado company and you are supplying water as a service even if they buy the full system. At the end of the day, their interest is not on the wastewater side, it's on the produced reusable water. Exactly. That makes it interesting. What are you going to do with the water that Bluecom provides? And if you use it as irrigation water and you take this, you know, avocado business, which is an um, interesting added value to it, then what does it mean in terms of, of revenue? So, yeah, that's definitely interesting to do. And since we are on this community level or small town level, it also means that we are actually creating the development of local economic activities. So not everybody needs to go, you know, to the bigger cities for, for jobs. We can create those jobs in the towns. I'm sorry, because now it's me that made it longer, but it's interesting because it's a shift of paradigm. You're really closing that gap. I mean, it's not just circular economy on the paper, it's circular economy for real. So interesting one. <laughs> Let me go to the next one, which is what's your favorite part of your current job? I, I, would, <laughs> I want to say here traveling. So I'm, I'm in the Netherlands. And of course, if you, if you have Latin America and Spain and Italy as a market, then traveling is part of the job, which is very nice. So that's not currently obviously going on, although we are looking forward to go to, to Chile. We have a demonstration ready. But another nice part of the job is actually trying to find a workable sales strategy per country. And um, you have to imagine that you cannot just copy a successful sales strategy from country A to country B. You know, you have to take into consideration like how does this market work? How does the purchasing process work? Who are interested? Why would they reuse water in any way? You know, in the south of Chile, it rains every day. So who would be interested in reusing water? So trying to figure out this puzzle and come to a strategy per country is also something I really like about my job. I feel you for the travel side because Schiphol used to be my, my second home and Now it must be maybe six months that I didn't leave really home. So <laughs> I exactly. understand the struggle. What is the trend to watch out for in the water industry? Well, we've seen a lot of innovations, which are very good, which have to do with using less water, right? So if we look at the 
agricultural sector, then smarter irrigation, you know, more crop per drop, for example, initiatives. They're all based on less use of the resource, which is very, very good because it's, you know, it leads to more efficient use. And what you see now, a trend is, okay, less use, but what do we do with the water we do use? And how can we return that into the productive cycle? Or even on a household level. So you see in the Netherlands, companies that, you know, they offer solutions, technological solutions for water reuse. And Bluecon, of course, is one of them. But we also have on a large scale, the, you know, Nareda technology, who also cuts down hugely on costs and time of uh, wastewater treatment on, on a large scale. And you see companies that are trying to, you know, build a model where water can be reused in your own household. So I think that's the trend for the, for the water industry. What is the thing you care about the most when you're working on your projects? And what is the one you care the less about? Well, so the, the trick is here. What I care about is not just make a successful sale, but make sure that, you know, after installation, our treatment plant is actually working for the minimum time of 20 years, which is the you know minimum time that our system works. So we are here for the, you know, for the long term. And if you want to be successful in a country, you should not just send some technology from the Netherlands towards Chile or Peru. You should really be concerned of how is the customer going to make this into a success. So that's something I care about. I care about the after sales service, so to speak, of having a close contact with the customer and making sure that they are you know, maximizing everything they can from our treatment system. There's not a lot of things I dislike, actually. Um, I, I would have to invent one. I, I like the international aspect of my work. I like the added value and, of course, the, you know, the sustainability of our, of our solution. We are sustainable ourselves, but, of course, our solution makes agricultures or any other industry or households, it makes it more sustainable. So it's, that really fits in in my personal goals as well. Do you have sources to recommend to keep up with the water and wastewater market trends? Well, Netherlands for Water Partnership, Water Alliance, those are sector-wide organizations that know what's going on in the Dutch water sector, as well as they know what's going on worldwide. So what's the need worldwide and what do Dutch companies have to offer? So if you would like to keep up with what's going on in the Netherlands in terms of water technology or, or any other disaster risk reduction, part of the water irrigation initiatives, then, you know, to those sectors organization like NWP, Netherlands for Water Partnership or Water Alliance are basically providing a lot of information about one, the supply side and the other one, the demand side, like what's going on in the world, which next problem do we need to resolve? Paul, you've been an amazing guest and I really had a lot of interesting stuff that you told and which enlightened me and which is very interesting to me. So I hope it's going to be at least as interesting for our listeners. If people want to reach out to you, where can I redirect them? So our website is, is www.bluecon.nl. We are also renewing our website. So a lot of more information will be available there. Info at bluecon.nl would be the website. And my name, Paul van der Grift, you can also Google me or uh, search me on LinkedIn and you can follow me directly or uh, follow our Bluecon International Buffet LinkedIn page. So 
info at bluecon.nl, follow our website, look me up on LinkedIn, and then um, you can see what's going on with our company. Of course, contact me also if you're if you're interested in, in knowing more about our solutions. And of course, like always, you can find all these links in the notes of the episode. So much appreciated, Antoine. And it was also a very nice opportunity for us to be on this podcast. And I found you on LinkedIn. So I think that's also a great, you know, platform to stay in touch. Sure. I'm a LinkedIn convinced. So <laughs> So thanks a lot, Paul, and I hope you a lot of success in the future. And I hope that uh, you, you'll have these many distributors and, uh, and networks in Latin America. And then growing from there, we are going to start to see BlueCon everywhere. So thank you and uh, see you anytime soon in the future. Great. Thanks, Antoine. And I'm sure you will uh, come across a BlueCon solution um, soon. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.